0: Welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel.
1: I'm Pastor Melissa.
0: And today, as we continue in these carols of Advent, we are joined by yet one more special guest. Dr. Michael Hahn is here with us. And for those of you who have any connection to Perkins School of Theology, he needs no introduction. He is the guru of all things church music at SMU. And and I'm sure there are thousands. I've got like a a two-page list here of all of the many other things that that Dr. Hahn has done over the years and the many different um, gifts that he has offered to the world. Yeah.
1: Dr. Hahn, you were a part of helping with the guiding of the Methodist hymnal that we all are familiar and love. Isn't that right?
2: Well, uh, I really wasn't involved at that point. Okay. But, uh, I, I certainly have been involved in the, the faith we sing and the yes. one fulfillment the, the since then. Yes. And uh, in the dissemination of the material, for sure.
1: I love that. And that is a beloved uh, one that we definitely pull hymns from quite often within our traditional services at the church.
0: A- absolutely. It is. And Dr. Hahn, I know Advent is a big deal for you because I know when I sang for you with the seminary singers, one of the culminating events of our year was, you know, uh, our Advent offering, right? As we got ready as a community of faith. For for the coming of Christ at Christmas, I, I remember the year we did Magnificat, and everything was ground in Mary's <laughs> song, and just how it was really cool to encounter that song from so many different cultures and opportunities and expressions, and um, and that was just that was a real gift for me. If you had to tell our congregation what Advent means to you, what would you share with them?
2: I think that you know the the, the easy word is often said waiting. But if you go back to the Hebrew, it's really uh, the word in Hebrew is much more powerful than that and nuanced. It's a combination of waiting, longing, and hoping. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Spanish, uh, esperando means to wait and to hope. We have two different words for it. But in, in Hebrew, is more like the Spanish in that you have waiting and hoping uh, together. Uh, so I, I think that, that would be especially appropriate this season. Uh, we've been waiting for last nine months for this uh, COVID, to yeah. get in, and it's not going to be done. You know, we've gone through a full gestation period uh, with with COVID, and it's it's still growing. Uh, but yeah. we still live in hope, and so I, I think that uh, that would be where I would would see it right now.
1: We, uh, my husband and I, have a friend who um, she became pregnant very early into the pandemic. And this past Sunday, they gave birth to their child. And there was something very confusing as we're used to seeing her face um, quite regularly that we did not get to see during all this. But there was something very beautiful about even in the midst of all the craziness that COVID has been that there can still be things like infant babies born and the Mm -hmm. beauty and hope and waiting and longing that they contain all in sweet little faces.
2: For sure.
0: Absolutely. As as we record this, we are two days short of my little baby Harper's first month birthday. Is that count? Is it being one? Sure, I don't know yeah. if we have birthdays yeah, on one, one month. But, month. That's right. Right. <laughs> hey, we slept like four hours at a time last night. So life <laughs> is really, really good. Um, and so I might actually make some sense today. It's a real gift. But uh, Dr. Han, I was wondering, we've asked each one of our special guests in this season to share with us a, an Advent carol or hymn that speaks to their soul and and to help maybe introduce us to it and unpack it and understand it a little bit more. You shared with us that yours is carol of epiphany, which is number 2094, In the Faith We Sing. So you are on brand. You're keeping with the thing that you helped gather together. So uh, that is a real good gift. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Introduce us to it.
2: Well, it's interesting because in the history of the church, uh, actually uh, uh, Christmas and Epiphany uh, was the was the first part of the celebration. Christmas being rather late. It wasn't until the fourth century when they, uh, they got excited about uh, was Jesus uh, fully human or fully divine? Mm-hmm. And so that's when the uh, Christmas came about. The Eastern Church still doesn't celebrate Advent. So the first major season was much more around Epiphany. Uh, okay. And they all kind of slide uh, slide into each other. We, kind of, we tend to conflate them a little bit because we, uh, in our minds, maybe uh, uh, we're not quite clear, but we tend to have the shepherds and the wise men all showing up on the same night. <laughs>
0: uh, that's what our fisher was, price uh nativity scene had when we were children so that's of course right. how it has to be right
2: exactly and then uh, uh i think we also maybe we're becoming more aware of it than we used to but the the flood in egypt really gets left out of the story and yeah. for so many people that uh these days live uh in a constant state of migrating from one place to another because of political circumstances because of economics, because of uh, uh, changes in climate, Uh, I think millions upon millions of people live on the road, and they really identify with Mm -hmm. that part of the narrative. And so um, uh, one of the traditional carols that people will sing uh, a little bit later oftentimes is We Three Kings of Orient Are. Mm. uh yes. and of course it picks up in the a brief biblical description there were three gifts we don't know how many magi there were but there were three <laughs> gifts so it makes it convenient we like to work in threes and Me then too. uh as the uh the carol would be or hymn would be sung you often have uh sometimes the congregation will have different persons assume the role and then the congregation uh, join in the end uh Well, it's interesting that john bell uh, of the iona community uh as he is known to do uh decided to to take that and put a little a little bit of a twist to it uh in the in his epiphany carol Uh, i think one of the things that i've seen in many more recent uh christmas hymns i would tend to call them is that uh, they're trying to look at at the uh context of uh the nativity from from the underside
1: from mm-hmm. the poor
2: uh and from seeing for example uh christ uh, kind of a matthew twi- uh, 25 meets christmas seeing christ mm-hmm. and the stranger seeing christ yeah. And yeah. the poor, yeah uh that kind of thing and there's quite a few on that this one would pick up on that as well uh in true uh john bell fashion he's He's not a sentimental kind of guy. As a matter of fact, he, <laughs> uh, he's the opposite of that. He likes to tell it straight, and he's not afraid to use language that isn't churchy. Mm. Uh, yeah. So you're going to hear in this particular Carol uh, a parallel structure. So there are three individuals who are looking for, uh, or they're looking for a Christ. It's not named in that such a, a specific way until the very end. Uh, of it, so he keeps us a little bit in suspense, but they're looking for this one. And uh, they look in the, the places of, of modern society says, well, it must be among the rich folks that mm-hmm. dress well. yeah. Uh, or he must be in, in a place of safety and security, a little baby after all, or he must be uh, where the famous are with spotlights. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he brings, uh, he brings the uh, the narrative into the 21st century uh, in that regard and then uh, uh, pulls it together. Uh, so maybe we can uh, I'll kind of sing a stanza and walk through it a little bit uh, since we don't have it before us. It's designed to be sung with three different people. And well, knowing you that, have
1: two singing people present on this podcast, <laughs> but, I am yeah. not one of them. <laughs>
2: individuals that would <laughs> sing solos at these points. And, and so, uh, you know, one time when I did it, they came from different places in the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And since the gender wasn't specified, I had young, old, you know, male, female, uh, breaking all the stereotypes mm-hmm. uh, of We Three Kings, which he really wants you to have in the back of your mind, because then that uh, sets up the, the contrast that he's trying to get across uh hmm. we we often talk about um, uh you know Christmas and Christ the the paradox of, of the of the God of the universe being poured in a in a manger hmm. but our Christmas cards and so many of our traditions have turned that uh, that manger scene into a little uh, you know kind of a quaint little rural B and b yep the hay smells just oh, really kind of kind of sweet and then it's amazing how the cows and the doves are are cooing and, and mooing in harmony right uh, <laughs> and uh you know you said well gosh i think i could i could probably a little lantern there to keep it warm i think i like that kind of place uh when in fact we know in our minds that wasn't the case mm-hmm. uh well john john would want to dispel any of those kinds of <laughs> That's right. uh, uh, ideas and i think in a world we live in today, especially with what many people are going to be facing this particular, uh, this particular Advent and Christmas, uh, this may be a bit of comfort. This this is a real, real God uh, in the most unlikely places, uh, doing uh, the work of redemption, and so uh, he starts off with a little a little melody that turns into an interlude, which is really helpful because you need something between each of these stanzas to process what you've just encountered. Mm. So he always starts with, in a, in a very parallel structure, I saw him, but I found him <laughs> in, in the opposite place. Mm-hmm. So here's the first stanza. So the, the first voice is singing. him dressed in finest clothes, where money talks and status grows, but power and wealth he never chose, it seemed he lived in poverty. And the second voice comes in from a different place. I sought him in the safest place, remote from crime or cheap disgrace. But safety never knew his face. It seemed he lived in jeopardy. Then a third voice comes in. I sought him where the spotlights glare, where crowds collect and critics stare. But no one knew his presence there. It seemed he lived in obscurity. So many of your best writers will write like this in very parallel structures from stanza to stanza. it's not the only way to do this kind of hymn, but it, it really helps one latch onto the narrative, hmm. uh, yeah. especially when there's what we call, in this case, antithesis involved. Uh, the the narrative that goes from uh, one point and then takes us to the opposite place. I sought him here, but he wasn't there. He was in the opposite place.
1: Yeah.
2: Sometimes when I present this uh, in a context, I will uh, have... Uh, uh, pictures to go along with it, which really help, I think, uh, you know, on, on a, a PowerPoint or something, that really helps solidify that idea. So we're at a turning point then, uh, where the voices all come together and sing, and, and uh, they're still looking. Then in the streets we heard the word, that seemed for all the world absurd. But those who could no gifts afford were entertaining Christ the Lord. Well, that uh, brings it together. And then mm. in, in typical John fashion, you have these words that that don't seem very himmy Absurd. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, cheap disgrace. Uh, critics there. Um, that, that are, I think, very uh, meaningfully jarring mm. out of our complacency. Uh, one of the things that I think we're dealing with now is we're learning uh, a different kind of ecclesiology. We're gathered yet scattered. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and uh, maybe one of the things we're gonna take away from us, from this experience is yes, it's good to be together, but we don't have to be in the same space to be the church, the body of Christ.
1: Mm. Absolutely.
2: Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, I would say if we our only goal was to return to what it was, that's nostalgia. And the church has never functioned well with just nostalgia. <laughs> I'm sorry I've gone to preaching here. But hey, that's
0: all right. That's all right. You haven't made it to Medlin yet, so we're okay. Uh, I
2: can see that. Yeah, uh, And so... <laughs> And so then one of the difficulties in any hymn, like a play, right. is how do you bring it to a close?
0: Mm.
2: And there are many ways to bring uh, this kind of a stanzid, uh hymn to a close. One of the classic ways is to make it a, a Trinitarian statement. You know, uh, yeah. let all, uh, let's say, I'm trying to think uh all praise and thanks to God the Father now be given the Son and Spirit mm-hmm. reigns, etc. That kind of a statement. Another kind of uh, uh, a way to end end one would be uh, with a call to discipleship right. or a prayer, and yeah. you'll often find imperative verbs that mm-hmm. uh, pull you into the narrative. Uh, well, uh, in
1: this particular
2: one. What I was waiting do?
1: for the butt that was coming on the midst <laughs> yeah. of this. What did John do? <laughs> and so uh,
2: he does something. Um, I, I know John personally for quite a few years, and I know his work well. And and uh, not many are capable of pulling off what he does in this particular one. And I, I don't want to give it away. I think it'll speak for itself. I just have to warn you. I've sung this I don't know how many times, and I still get a little choky on that last line. I'll try to Mm -hmm. hold it together for you all, but I think you'll get the idea. So all the characters are singing together. And so distinct from all we planned among the poorest of the land what you might understand we touch god in a baby's hand so in that last line we touched god in a baby's hand speaks to the mystery mm. he speaks to the paradox that is at the heart not just of the christmas narrative but the whole redemption narrative yeah uh and to the mystery of it and that's hard to pull off and to preserve yeah. it for that very last line um uh i'd like to talk to him about his if he even remembers he's composed so many songs uh what it took to get there because uh I'm not sure it just fell in his lap necessarily uh, in, in this particular one. He composed this one in the early 90s when he was still working quite often with a, um, a group called Wild Goose Worship Group. There were about okay. 15, 16 people that would gather, and uh, it, I, I was there in their old place back about uh, more than 20 years ago, and it was a little bit scary. It was the back part of an old Reformed church, and they lived on three different floors, kind of in the back of the church, and uh, in, in a pretty uh, pretty simple setting, um, and uh, stayed, stayed with them for a few nights, Graham and John, and, and uh, was, was talking to them about different things, and they demonstrated considerable hospitality. Uh, and then they would gather then with the, the Wild Goose Worship Group, and they would throw out ideas about what is a church not speaking about that we need to sing? Wow. Mm. And they would look at it much, you know, much differently. And so, uh, John's name is on this alone, but my guess is that, that this was brainstormed by this group mm. because of this particular era. Yeah. And
1: That's a good question to ask of what does the ch- church need to hear? What yeah. needs to be spoken?
2: And, and the, the context in which they were speaking, uh, is, a what what john would say very often a recalcitrant church uh a, a skeptical church as a matter yeah. of fact uh, the building they were in probably was uh fairly uh unoccupied except for a little bit during the week and and even on sunday wasn't even that full and mm. so they may have used it more than <laughs> the actual, than the actual church.
0: church that was happening
2: uh, they would pull together groups of, especially of young people for uh, uh, what they call last night out, and it, it would be a uh, an extended gathering with a meal, and they would uh, they would sing, they would have a Bible study, they would have really honest, candid discussion. Mm. Uh, and uh, Scots people uh, they would consider themselves Scots more than British. I remember I was with them when Tony Blair won Parliament and uh, uh, the the, the uh-huh. MP. Mm-hmm. And this was a big moment because he was labor and they okay. had a big sign in their place. So it kind of gives you uh, a little bit of an indication of uh, an interest in the the common person, the working man, which is very much in George McLeod's idea. And so mm-hmm. there's there's a sort of an anti-establishment feel to all this <laughs> okay. that is very much in this mood.
0: Well, and I love that in, in this in this carol and in the, you know, the the antithesis that we see and the, we expect X, but we get Y, um, the paradox of it, you know, even as you said, the mystery of we touched God in a baby's hand that so powerfully speaks to the, to the work of Jesus, right? And as you were talking through this, I had visions, uh, you know, the, of the geography of the space too, right? I mean, because you've got Jesus in a manger, even if we've put glitter on it and made it smell pretty, and you know all of that, it's still in the shadow of the Herodium, right?
2: Mm, mm, mm.
0: And you know, if you were looking for a king in the the birth of a king in the ancient world, where are you going to look, right? It's yet one more kind of a visual example of what what John is trying to to take us to in this paradox of Christ showing up um, in the overlooked and the ignored and in the uh, places. that we would least expect what does that remind you know as we encounter that word of i believe hope um in this season what does what is that saying to you in particular this advent season 2020 with all of the craziness that this is in this time
2: well when you put it together with uh you know the confluence of pandemics (laughs) everything from racism to uh of course the, the virus itself and then our care for the earth or lack of it, mm. all the things that threaten uh not just the quality of life but our existence as we know it. Um I think um people want an honest word. Mm. They want an authentic word. They don't want any more gloss. Now it doesn't mean we can't offer a comforting <laughs> word. Right. But um you know let's say you're in the hospital and uh with with and you've taken a family member and they're about to get a diagnose you want the doctor to tell you like it is right yeah you want to know what the situation is how you can help what you can do uh for me it says that that folks don't want us if a church is going to have validity after this is over they don't want business as usual. Mm. They want a real word from us of hope and they want us to do something. And I I think they want us to they want us to make the structures more permeable in that yes we come to a space but it's it's a space in which we leave to share in the world and we're we're going out the door is as important or more important than coming in the door. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, who has access to our space? Who uh, who's up front? Um, are we really moving beyond you've gotta be old and white and male to be in charge of anything? Uh, I, I have gray
0: hair on my goatee that you know as it. a thirty six year old, it, it's helpful. Yeah, uh, the
2: middle no, but I, <laughs> I think it's I, I think there's gonna be a a, a real cry for uh, I hope it's not an overused word, but an authentic, real mm. word of yeah. word from the Lord. And uh, if if uh, if we're detected as having just the trappings of mm. it, uh, if we're detected as, um, how should I say it? Going through the motions or uh, saying churchly things, now. I wanna quickly say that uh I'd be glad to sing We Three Kings too. Mm.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh yeah. Maybe maybe what we need in addition to We Three Kings is uh, one hymn every every Sunday where we kinda of say, Oh ouch. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, the the role in our hymnity of the prayer of confession, right? The the yeah, that kind of place and, of you
2: know, I would imagine that that it, uh, you would be quite comfortable preaching on a theme like this, or you might pray about mm-hmm. this. What yeah. is different that I'm asking is, can we actually put this in our voices and our breath and our bodies?
0: Melissa, I can't help but be struck and, and would invite your reflections on this of how, you know, what Dr. Hahn is talking about. We locally have experienced and kind of put into place most often in kind of our special, you know, the Ash Wednesday, the Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, the even our 11 p.m. Christmas Eve, right, that yeah. did not have a previous history and expectation to it. And so, you know, we could do a kind of combination of spoken word and modern hymnody and, you know, this kind of, mm-hmm. there's no bulletin for this thing. You're just going to come in, sit and experience. You're going to hear voices from around the room. Mm-hmm. And um, and I know that those kind of invitations to, in some, th- some things that are deeply comforting, right, you know, contextually mm-hmm. comforting, but new expressions, have have spoken to my soul, even as we're trying to lead them, you know, yeah. and it's been good to us. I wonder what reflections you're having right now.
1: Yeah. I think the thing that just keeps ringing true in my heart of what you presented from the very beginning, Dr. Han, is this idea of, um, it starts with our theology. And I think the invitation of the Carol of the Epiphany is it's an invitation to look at our theology first grounded in humanity from the place of the impoverished, from the place of the oppressed, and then to reach through that lens towards God. And I think there's a lot of humility and there is a lot of abundance of grace and love um, that We find when we go through that avenue of expression versus when we can kind of take on the stereotypical of beginning with God and sometimes conflating ourselves to be high and holy, therefore putting ourselves in the place of kings and the affluent and the rich and the famous um, that, you know, Jesus by the incarnation's definition turned upside down. And I think sometimes we unintentionally, right? If we if we unintentionally go into Advent, we can put ourselves in the space of worshiping and practicing Advent from the place of searching for Christ in the perfumed manger rather than searching for Christ in the baby's hand grasping our finger. Um, so I've appreciated that. And I can't help but be taken back to when I was in Perkins and getting to be in the congregation, right? I was never a seminary singer, but there were still congregational moments that of course I sang out. And the ways that uh, that's really sticking with me, what you said, Dr. Hahn, about there's something powerful when we sing, there's something powerful about our breath and our body um, that gets involved when our theology connects in that space. I think that space invites us to maybe hold on to it when we leave out those doors a little longer than no matter how pretty my or Daniel sermon, pretty words from a sermon I think can be fleeting versus um, when you have to sing a line uh, that that can hold with you. I think a lot longer sometimes. Well, we're,
2: we're obviously missing that in most of our places right now that, uh putting our voices together i i think though uh one metaphor i've used it goes back to uh when i went to seminary 50 years ago <laughs> and uh the uh first one of the first classes i had was a class in congregational song hymnology and my professor turned out to be a colleague and a good friend years later and he got a very good way he said uh, you know uh, the question for the christian is not do you have a voice The question for the Christian is, do you have a song?
1: Mm.
0: Dr. Han, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's been a gift.
0: And I love that you leave us with that. It's not, do you have a voice? It's, do you have a song? Because I think we can all have a song, whether we carry our tune in a 55 gallon drum uh, (laughs) or or a bucket that is more nimble. Um, We can all have a song. And it's the song that sticks in our hearts and helps us on Tuesdays and on Thursdays on those days in between the liminal space of our standard week. Thank you for joining us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel.
1: And I'm Pastor Melissa.
0: And today, now that we have gathered, I want to give you an invitation to grow. In the season where we spend lots of time and energy around the church looking at the songs of our life and our faith, I want you not to find your voice, but to find your song. What song is it that is speaking the word of your soul needs this Advent season? So that when christmas eve comes your heart your mind your body might be ready for the coming of christ the holding of the hand of a little baby boy god incarnate what is your song
1: and now go receive this benediction this blessing that's meant to be lived out as you go from this place this week May you find God in the reverberations of song in your chest. May you find Christ in the warmth of good melody lines that fill your heart to overflowing. And may you find the Holy Spirit in the outpouring of melodies and lyrics that come to capture the hearts and imaginations of beloveds and strangers alike. May you go in peace to find God in Christ the Incarnate this week. Amen.
0: Amen.